I was not operating in my true strengths with the natural style versus the adaptive style. So in my case, I was natural style, higher D, but my adaptive style was lower D because I felt I had to reserve myself and be like, not be as like driving forceful. Like I was trying to like be more reserved because I didn't want to disrupt too much. Like I didn't want to, I didn't want to offend the people I was working with. And that kind of, I think, came from the having bad experiences, being too forceful or too, hey, we're going to drive, we're going to do this, we're going to go in this direction. So you're trying to like curb that. And so just the whole notion of a natural versus an adaptive style for me was a good like dose of self-awareness to say, okay, why do I feel like I have to act that way? And sometimes it's appropriate, but the what goes along with that is saying, okay, you can't operate in that forever. This week on the podcast, we have Mike Sudik. He is not only the founder and CEO of Waypoint, but is also my boss and manager. I'm really excited to have him on today because he talks a bit more about DISC and why it is a um, key aspect of Waypoint. He talks about how he makes sure that our employees, whether past or current employees have fallen into the strengths that he does not have and the ways that he has really embraced embraced the discourse that he has and make sure that he is playing in his strengths. So we'll jump right in. Today on the podcast, we have Mike Sudik. He is not only our uh, founder and CEO of Waypoint, which is a sponsor for this podcast, but is also the CEO of EC Group, um, who has been creating great software teams for the past 20 years. So thank you for joining us today, Mike. Kirsten, it's a pleasure to be interviewed by you, and it's uh, great to be on the show. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad to hear that. So today we're basically going to be talking about DISC and DISC profiling, DISC test, and why it's really important to have your employees not only tested, but also yourself, so you can learn a little bit more about yourself in the process, but also be able to make sure that your employees are uh, working in their own strength. I've made a subset of questions that Mike hasn't seen yet. That we are going to run through. (laughs) So the first question I have for you, Mike, are what are your disc traits or your strengths rather? So I am 80 out of 100 on the D. I am 99 out of 100 on the I, 39S and 32C. So I definitely skew D and I. I is obviously my strongest, so I'm a people person. Yep. And so it's interesting when you talk about testing your team and I feel you always think people are like you, right? Mm-hmm. You, know, you always think people are going to communicate the way you communicate. And my experience has been as I've learned to manage people and manage more people and interacted with more people and worked with people that are maybe my junior and then people that are my senior, you especially become more aware of strengths and, and how people communicate and their disc score. And for me, it seems like it's really like unlearning. You're unlearning how you communicate because you gravitate towards your natural style and you naturally mm-hmm. think that's going to be great for people. So you have to slow down in how you like you communicate or interact and then say, okay, how is this person going to hear this? And me being very like, hi, I'm like quick to want to talk about different things. I want to just jump into ideas, move really fast and for someone that's not like that, it can be very chaotic. And 
just re- like you said, you like this question was, what's your disc score? And for me, it's high eye, but it's realizing that just realizing <laughs> that I'm that way is really eye-opening for the self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. My next question rolls into that, but it's, were there any surprises that you found while getting your t- disc score back? And if so, were what were they? Um, One of the things that they, they talk about like an adaptive style mm-hmm. as opposed to a natural style. And it, one of mine was, I was, I think a higher, I was not operating in my true strengths with the natural style versus the adaptive style. So in my case, I was natural style, higher D, but my adaptive style was lower D because I felt I had to reserve myself and be like, not be as like driving forceful. Like I was trying to like be more reserved because I didn't want to disrupt too much. Like I didn't want to, I didn't want to offend the people I was working with. And that kind of, I think, came from the having bad experiences, being too forceful or too, hey, we're going to drive, we're going to do this, we're going to go in this direction. So you're trying to like curb that. And so just the whole notion of a natural versus an adaptive style for me was a good like dose of self-awareness to say, okay, why do I feel like I have to act that way? And sometimes it's appropriate, but the what goes along with that is saying, okay, you can't operate in that forever. There's a detriment to acting outside of your natural style that you just need to be cognizant of and to say, hey, you're going to get burned out or you're going to be dissatisfied or whatever if you're operating too much out of your natural style. So Yeah, absolutely. So what were some of those things that got you back into your natural style in the workplace or just in general to get you back to where you're wheelhouse was? I I think one of the biggest things is, and so one of the biggest things is surrounding yourself with people that complement your styles. So you don't want to, I think it's natural to surround yourself with people that, that operate the same way you do, because there's a natural synergy as much as I hate that word. There's a natural synergy with people that just are, have the same disc profiles you, right? You know, they're, Mm -hmm. so you're going to gravitate towards them. You're going to tend to hire people like that. You're going to you're going to hire, you're going to work with people like that. Your clients might start to look like that in some regard. And, but it's important to in, surround yourself with people that have a compliments, a complimentary um, profile so that they can interact and do the things that you can't naturally do. So if, if as a leader, you're trying to do everything, you're trying to communicate with everyone and be the all things to all people, you're going to fail because you're naturally wired a certain way and you're compensating these other ways. So instead, it's learning how to have those people that can bring those other skill sets to the table and that you have a good relationship with them and you can communicate well with them. In our case, we, my number two, Laurel Verberg, she's much different wiring than me. She's much higher in the S and the C category, but our long-term relationship has helped us to be able to communicate those things. So she can buffer that and bring those compliments to the table. And that's really important and being able to see those. And it's interesting because we had someone that worked with us a while ago that did a lot of media work. And I felt like I was, so I was managing her directly and we just wouldn't, we wouldn't, we didn't gel. We, we gelled, but we didn't, I, I felt like she was held back and it was, it was because of like my management style. And I didn't really understand why. And I think it was Laurel that kind of helped me understand how she, how 
this gal was wired. And what I found was she's a highly creative person, but she also had a high level of ownership and she wanted to own more of the process and, and kind of the project management. And my high D would be driving uh, towards ideas and I'd be bringing things to the table. And so there would be a natural rub because I would always say not necessarily go with the direction she had. I'd be like, Hey, I want to do this. I want to do this or constantly throwing new things in the project. And I didn't give her that level of ownership. And the interesting thing was when I did, it went so much better and she did a much better job, obviously, because that was her skills, but mm-hmm. she handled things and I just got things done at, at a much better rate than when I was involved. And mm-hmm. it was like this blossoming um, of her and her role that I was not, I was getting in the way of. And it was eye opening to me to be like, wow, that was just me and my misunderstanding of how she's wired that was inhibiting her growth, which ultimately made my job easier because I didn't, I wasn't actively involved in, in a lot of things. So that was just like hugely eye opening for me. And I think it was interesting because I had made assumptions about her kind of ma- like wiring and how she was communicating that. And then I operated on those assumptions to when I should have not been doing that. Maybe I'm just being confusing in how I'm saying this, but it was very eye opening because I was being introspective of how I was handling the situation. And then when I changed my behavior, everything changed. And I was like, oh, that was all me getting in the way. Yeah, there you go. So <laughs> yeah, it was a good learning experience. Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> De- most definitely. Absolutely. So you blew through all my questions or some of my questions. <laughs> Sorry, Kirsten. <laughs> so basically some of them were like, what are your employees districts, which I think that you touched on with Laurel and then how do you uh, work theirs together? How have you empowered their strengths in the workplace, which I think you could definitely t- touch on more of like, how do you empower Laurel to use her strengths in the work that she does? And how do you collaborate in that regard? And what are some of those ways that you do that? Yeah, it's a good question. I I would say the one way that I try to do that is not putting my them in a her or them in being the greater number of people that I work with into situations where they're operating outside of their strengths because that's gonna a they're not going to be as effective. B they're not going to be as fulfilled. C they're just going to get disgruntled or resentful. But if someone is a high S or that has a lot of loyalty would just go along with that. So there might be some underlying, they would just get the job done because they're, they're a stable person. They're very hardworking They're mm-hmm. And so you might not even realize how you're making this person unhappy and you can't really recover from that really easily. If they're, if it, it just, they're already emotionally over a hump. And so then they're, that you can't really recover from that. So I think knowing it on the front end and understanding in the role that they're in, hey, what, how are you liking this? Where do you feel like your challenges are? What are you dissatisfied with? And having those conversations is really key because then you can, you know, have open communication to say, hey, I don't want to do this or someone doesn't want to do this or this isn't fulfilling me. Or And then you can say, okay, let's get that off your plate. Let's have someone else do it. That's just naturally suited towards that. And a good example of that specifically with Laurel was like, she doesn't like to do sales. She's like, I don't want to do outside sales. And 
that wasn't her responsibility, but, and that's not in her skill set. But even if there was a sales scenario, she's like, I'm happy to come in after we're already talking about a project and to talk to new customers, but I don't want to be that first interaction, the cold call, that sort of a thing to whereas I, that's naturally something that energizes me and fulfills me. And I can know that she's not wired that way, but she might go along with that and say, yeah, if we need to do that and I need to step in, she would go along with it. And because she knows that maybe that's what's needed for a time, but no, I have to know that's going to be detrimental long-term. And so that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. What has been the most difficult thing when it comes to the disc profiles in our organization? Yeah. What has been like the biggest hurdle or problem to overcome? That's a good question, Kirsten. I think at first glance, it doesn't seem like there's a big hurdle, right? Like when you first think about Mm -hmm. it, you're like, it's not like a big hurdle. It's just doing it or acting in a certain way. I would say changing bad habits. You might go through a phase where everyone takes a disc profile if you haven't, and you talk about it and maybe you read a book or you have some initial conversations, but just doing the regular discussions about it and actually doing it and acting on it day in and day out is different, is like the hardest thing Mm -hmm. to change your natural bent because it's easy. Like it's easy for me to act in the way that I normally act. It's hard for me to pause and say, okay, if someone says something to me that doesn't really, that I don't understand or seems off-putting or something, as a leader, you have to say, okay, why is this person saying this? And are they reacting to something I said that was not communicating in the style that they communicate in? So that constant analysis of that communication is the hard part, just doing the work and Mm -hmm. just, it's really changing bad habits, I think. Yeah, absolutely. What are some of those tools to help you get out of the bad habits and start actually implementing and having conversations? And I feel like I have to plug Waypoint here that I think the tool is to have regular one-on-ones and meetings with them that are not just project status updates. A way to do that effectively is Waypoint, which is the tool that we built for that very reason. And I wish it was more magical than that, but that's pretty much what it is. We we just started using EOS and that's been a pretty great tool in terms of ensuring communications flowing regularly, having a level of accountability, which for a high I person that wants to go in a bunch of different directions, that level of accountability is really key. It's going to be much more, the S's and the C's are going to gravitate towards something like EOS because it's more process driven, all of that. So I think just those systems and habits and are really the best tools. That's the backbone of good communication, good leadership, that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. If you had one takeaway for DISC or even a strengths finder, another personality system, what would it be? And what would be the big highlight you would give it? Disc is great, but it's there's a bunch of different flavors. There's a bunch of different personality profiles. And I would say the big takeaway or the big thing for leaders is just to be self-aware. Be self-aware of your profile, of, of how you communicate, how others communicate, because communication is not what you say, it's what the other person hears. And self-awareness is not a one and done thing. It's not like you just take the disc profile and you're like, oh, I'm self-aware. That's great. Like check that <laughs> box. Let's move on. It's it's understanding 
day in and day out, what you're saying, how you're acting and what the, the consequences are. And I'm not saying that you have to become the other person. It's, it's being aware to say, okay, I'm high D and, and I'm going to push the organization certain ways and I'm going to push them to adopt new practices towards someone that's extremely high C would never step outside of the comfort zone. Maybe they will, but they're going to naturally be risk averse. So you mm-hmm. can't be all a bunch of C's. That's, mm. Nothing's going to happen. <laughs> nothing new yeah. can happen. But you also can't be a bull in a china shop. You can't be going around and just throwing out processes and say, no, we're going to go this other way. So you have to be self-aware enough as a leader to say, I'm willing, I'm going to adapt these practices that are going to help the organization as a whole, but I'm going to appropriately leverage my D or I or whatever for the benefit of the organization and as a member of this team. And so that self-awareness is really key because you can really piss off a lot of people really fast. It doesn't take very much to do that. And that, then where are you? you? You took off your whole team. It's You're nothing without your team. Yep. You're not wrong about that. Cool. Thanks, Mike, for having us on. Do you have any other last thoughts about DISC or strengths or tools or leadership advice for anyone? Talk to your team early and often and regular and to ensure that they share with you your blind spots because everyone has blind spots. <laughs> mm-hmm. So thanks, awesome. Kirsten. Well, it, was, it was nice to to be interviewed by you on the podcast. So this is a first. Yeah, <laughs> this is a first. Thanks for being a guest-ish on the podcast <laughs> and uh, sharing insights. I appreciate it, Mike. Boom. Awesome. That's a. This podcast is proudly produced by Waypoint. What is Waypoint? Well, if you want to coach your team and not manage them, then Waypoint is worth checking out. Head over to waypointhq.com to learn more or email me directly, mike at waypointhq.com, and I'll demo it for you myself. Thanks for listening.